Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 272. And so what I'm looking for in my uh, management teams is somebody that has some vision, somebody that has curiosity, that says, uh, why, why not, how about, that's really challenging the status quo and not getting too comfortable. You, we cannot afford to rest on what worked before. We have to always be evolving and, and challenging ourselves. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by world barista champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it. Menuvative by iMenuTech has been the pioneer of cloud to tablet menu publishing for over five years. By using Menuvative, you'll reduce your costs, increase guest spending, and provide a better guest experience by being more informative. Find the banner in the show notes or head over to iMenuTech.com to learn more. Again, that's iMenuTech.com. One more time, iMenuTech.com. Dot com. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Deborah Hermanson. Deborah, you got to tell me you're feeling unstoppable. Oh my gosh, yes. Good morning and thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I cannot wait to dive into your just vast experience, uh, your stories. I, I'm sure there's going to be some good ones. So let me just give the listeners an aerial view of who we're talking to. Uh, Deborah Hermanson has over 35 years of experience in restaurant operations and 20 plus years of experience at the executive level. Deborah has single unit experience, multi unit experience, franchise experience, multi concept experience, and experience at as an educator, in other words, our girl Deborah is experienced. Uh, Deborah served or share our strength for over 16 years, where she was awarded uh, the Humanitarian of the Year Award. Today, Deborah serves as Regional Operations Director at Restaurants Unlimited, where she has been at one time responsible for leading 10 restaurants across five states. So, Deborah, I mean, you have such incredible experience, all over the place experience. I, I don't know where this conversation is going to end up. I don't know what bombs of knowledge are going to drop on us, but I know we're going to be better at the end of this. So why don't we get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra? What do you have for us today? Okay. All right. So it is, I'm going to need your help on this, Eric. I want you oh to point your finger. Finger, your index finger up in the air. All right. It's up. Straight up. Now Straight I want up. you to point it, point it towards the wall. Point your finger towards the wall. And then I want you to see that there's three fingers pointing back at you. Oh, yeah. One finger pointing forward and three pointing back at you. And that's my mantra that I live by is I never 
I try to not blame anybody else because it all comes back to me. Mm-hmm. And I use it a lot. Everybody that's ever worked with me has heard it many times because it's the only way we're ever really going to get results is by working together, not waiting for somebody else to do it or, or waiting because they didn't do it. So every time you think somebody dropped the ball, remember there's uh, three fingers pointing back at yourself. Oh, my gosh. Deb, I w- can I call you Deb? Yes, okay. absolutely. Deb, yeah. I love that. And one of the biggest aha moments I had over the you know the past few years doing this, and it was one of the earliest aha moments, is that people in this industry seem to blame people who are not successful are always blaming outside factors, never taking accountability for not having the success that they dreamed they would have. And if you want to have that success and if you, you want to find good people and if, if things aren't going the way you hope they we, you know, would have gone when you started, it's because you're not doing things right. Um, and that's what I'm here to do is to, to find out what done right looks like. And, um, and I just, I love that ownership that people who are successful in this industry have. When things don't go right, they say it was my fault. They, don't, they never blame outside factors. Do you want to reflect on that? what I just shared? Well, you know, I think it's easy um, to, to fall into that trap mm-hmm. because sometimes, sometimes people are waiting for permission to do things. Sometimes they think they're following um, some, some course of action plan that they that – I, that they don't have any control over. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the reality is um, there is no such thing as it's not my job. Mm-hmm. And you just roll up your sleeves and make it happen. And um, and if in the hospitality industry, that's really what it's all about. It's really about doing whatever it takes to make the guest uh, have the experience that you're going for. And, uh, and I do think that sometimes we, we're a little bit safe or we put these uh, – territories or borders up and we feel like we can't cross them um and 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 i'm here to say that that's that's not how it's done that's not how it's you really want to get results absolutely i love it so um this is the part of the interview where we kind of try to find out how you got your start in the industry so i'm just i just want to go way back to like where you you made the the commitment that this isn't just a for now job. This isn't a I'm in college. I need money job. This is what I love to do. And it looks like you went to school for um, uh, like uh, natural. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Forest management and forest resource management. So w- at what point like you clearly didn't make, you know, when you're a teenager, like you, you, uh, you pivoted at some point. So take us sure. through that pivot sure. and when you made the, the commitment to this industry. Sure, sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, like like um, a lot of college kids, you're not really sure. You think you know what you want to do, and so you go down that path, and and you discover that maybe it's not the same interest. So I did start out in um, forest man- management. I had um, big hopes to be an environmental interpret interpretist, which meant I wanted to um, market go into the U.S. forest parks and and help with signage and communication. So I still I what I learned was I really liked that part of it. I really liked the helping people part. Um, and and you're right, I was uh, working at nights in a restaurant, and that's exactly how I got into this business. I was um, at the University of Puget Sound and uh, working at Clinkadagar Bickerstaff and Pets, 
was the name of the restaurant I worked at. It was a theme restaurant. And um, they put a sign up on the bulletin board saying, who wants to go open a restaurant in Hawaii? And I was living in Tacoma, Washington, and I thought, oh, I can do this. I would love to. So I took a a year off, or what I thought was going to be a year off, a sabbatical, and uh, went to Honolulu and opened Ryan's um, Park Place is what it was called at the time. And... um, and I was really into running, so I ran my Honolulu Marathon. So it was all these personal things that came together at the same time my professional career launched. And that was when um, I started uh, really getting into the business and loving loving um, the people side of it, loving the uh, the satisfaction side of it, making it happen side of it. You know, we could figure out an opportunity and then what it would take for us to 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 realize it and really maximize it. So again, just having, you know, the power to really create and do was introduced to me in my early twenties. And, um, and I was, and I was tapped for management. They, they were wise enough to see my potential. And, and that was really what started my career in management. And that was, um, interestingly enough for the same company I work for now. So I work with uh, restaurants unlimited and, uh, I, I worked for them, in my first 10 years of restaurant management, um, I left for a while and have returned. But it was interesting. It was a foundation that kind of built my future and my principles really on how, how I manage all around. So you said uh, that you love the people side of it and making it happen side of it. Um, dive deeper into what you mean by the people side of it. Oh, sure, 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 sure. So um, the, so it's working with people to get a result. It's also um, working for people. So either working for the guest and giving them the experience that um, – actually, let me back up. Working for – working for the guests, but exceeding what they want. So they come in for a meal, they come in for a comfortable time. So we give, my goal is to give them this fabulous meal, exceed their expectation. And I know that's way overused, but that's really what we're looking for is to make it better than they ever thought they could. And that's accomplished both in the food and the service. So I'm looking for um, an experience, a memory, a mark, uh, that's that that makes them happy. I'm a people pe- make people happy pe- person. <laughs> so, what is it about exceeding expectations that you love so much? What what about you makes you so driven to make others happy? Well, you know that's a good really question. Really digging here, Deb. Yeah, <laughs> you are. Yeah, you are. So here. Here's the thing, you know, the, there's all kinds of people out there. And, and actually, when I'm when I'm interviewing, I'm looking for people that just have this natural, um, uh, natural affirmation for people. So, you know, they have the, the heart of a servant. They they run to open the door. They if somebody drops something, they scoot to pick it up. They hold the elevator for people. And I'm not talking manners. I'm talking about the heart of a servant where they're always putting people first. And, and, and I'd like to believe that I have a part of that as well. Um, and so when I, you know, when you use that exceed expectations is, especially now people don't expect you to do that. So when you do, it's pleasant and, and, you know, that you get the, you get the reward of knowing that you made somebody's day. You potentially made it that much better. I mean, there's so much joy that comes out of making other people happy. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, this is hard work. Uh, it's not easy. It's, they're crazy hours. It's, you know, it can take a toll on you and to know that you have the ability 
to make to, to spread happiness, to spread joy, to spread positivity. To me, there's no there's no more rewarding thing. That uh, that that to me, like what you're explaining, like that's what does it for me. Uh, are you? Do you share that same feeling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Eric, you're absolutely right. You 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 um, tapped it exactly. It's you know we all do we all work for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people will tell you, well, I work because I need to make the money. Well, I think. That that's when you look at the statistics, it's like way down in the list, like third or fourth. I mean, yes, we have our basic needs that need to be met, but you've got to find some other gratification. You've got to be doing it for some other reasons, either for knowledge or for um, family camaraderie, you know, a sense of, of community and, and or gratification. And a big part of what I do is making sure that people have the tools to um, be successful in taking care of the guest and then also I am often blessed with the opportunity to actually touch the guest and know that I made their day that much better because I stopped by their table and I had read the notes to know that it was their 50th anniversary and and oh my goodness, how, you know, what's your, ask them the questions of what's your key to a long marriage and know that I just made their day perhaps that much more special. I love it. And uh, I mean, to, to go back a little bit, you said you, you love the people side of things. You broke it into two sectors. You said, I like working with people and for people. We kind of just tore apart the uh, the rewards of working for people. But for you, what's the reward for working with people? What's What to you, your role as a leader, as somebody in this leadership position, what is the most rewarding part about working with people? Oh, sure. You know, um, I was... I was, again, in a fortunate situation in my early 20s um, being tapped for management. So I had somebody look at me and say, oh, this 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 woman has some potential. Um, and, and so I like to see that in others. I like to see um, if I can somehow give them the resources that would perhaps open their eyes and and introduce them to something that they either hadn't thought about or else strengthen strengthen their natural talents. So it, in my current role, I work with um, senior management teams to get results. But we're always looking for great people. We're always trying to grow our own. And so noticing behaviors that would complement what we're doing is a big part of my job. And, and knowing that I have taken somebody from one step to the next step Again, just hopefully broadening their horizons and, and their perspective and give, giving them some opportunities that they maybe wouldn't have had um, is, is extremely satisfying. And I've had, you know, the, one of the great pleasures of, of, of my experience is that I have friends all over the country um, because we've worked together, because we've crossed paths together. And what greater way to, you know, build this this family of friends than to um, know that you've perhaps helped their their path that much further. Oh, I love it, Deb. I really do. And just uh, writing down some notes here, listening to you talk, um, it's, it sounds like you, you love the mentorship part of it. Uh, you said uh, creating opportunities, developing people, uh, and noticing their strengths, noticing the, the behaviors they have that they probably don't notice themselves, but then uh, you know, highlighting those behaviors and their strengths and, and, you know, really helping these people blossom into adulthood. Cause I mean, for me, I think I love 
the ability to work with really young or people who are easily influenced um, because you can literally make a change in that person, the kind of person they're going to be when, when they grow into more into adulthood. Uh, and that's so rewarding. Um, would you say that's similar to what I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like I mentioned, I've had um, lots of of great connections and introductions that have turned into these really warm and long lasting relationships. And, uh, and to see, to see them go on and become owners of their own restaurants Mm -hmm. or leaders in their company, um, is very is very satisfying. Well, and to know that you could have potentially uh, pulled them in that direction, where they may, if they didn't have somebody see those talents, those that potential in them, who knows where they would be today? So I can only imagine what that must be like. Uh, sure. But you also mentioned that uh, these people saw something in you. They tapped into uh, your your special abilities. What are those special those abilities? What are those behaviors? Can you get specific? Like, what should we be looking for in our restaurants to uh, know that somebody has what it takes for a career in this in this industry? I mean, you mentioned well, earlier the you know running the the service attitude of running to open the doors, of picking things up when something is dropped. But that's, I mean, I feel like that's at the ground level of somebody who should be in in the, the like working in restaurants. But what about those who are leading? Like, what are those sure. leadership qualities you're looking for? Sure. Yeah, but don't understand that heart of a servant too much because. Um, it, it, I think that's what's missing today is is that we don't have enough of that. Everybody's just following the checklist and they're they're not a- acting from their heart. Mm. Um, but you you do need to have a um, a purpose, a sense of purpose, a structure. What am I going to accomplish? You you do have to be a self starter, and and like like we mentioned earlier, you. You don't want to wait for somebody else to do it. To to be successful in any business is going to take somebody that has that entrepreneurial drive, that is, is sees an opportunity, seizes it, and and takes it forward. But when we talk about leadership, we're really talking about um, you know role modeling the behavior that you expect. So again, these these sound a little bit corny because they're just true true and tried um don't ask something of someone that you're not willing to do yourself and and i think people sometimes get lost in the loftiness of a title and that's really you know titles are are only a label um and and especially in restaurants we've all got to pull together and accomplish what needs to to happen so that when I say what needs to happen is taking care of the guest. And so what I'm looking for in my uh, management teams is somebody that has some vision, somebody that has curiosity, that says um, why, why not, how about, that's really challenging the status quo and not getting too comfortable, Uh Especially today where we have so many more challenges, whether they're compliance or financial or, or just the saturation of, of competition, you, we cannot afford to rest on what worked before. We have to always be evolving and, and challenging ourselves. So in, in my leaders that I look for are those that, uh, that do have that natural curiosity, you know, compounded with the, uh, compounded with what you mentioned, just that, that, you know, 
heart of a servant, somebody that has a natural ability that wants to people please, um, then it, then it makes it happen that much easier. But I'm also looking I'm also looking for you know the the science side of our business. We have the art side and we have the science side, and um, the art is the creative and the people and kissing babies and opening doors the science is the the math how much does it cost what can we do to make it cost effective um how can we make it easier it's all it's all of it's all of the mechanics side of the restaurant deb i'm glowing over here right now you just i knew this gold was going to be spilling out of you and uh it, it just is right now and just to summarize uh these things we need to be looking for in our people to know if they have what it takes to lead uh like you said is the individual sense of purpose they have a higher purpose uh they they take action Uh, they don't need to be told to do something they see something wrong and they make it right i think danny myers calls that the excellence reflex uh like you just if you know what something's supposed to be and it's not that you do it you you don't need to be asked to do it and then uh the, the servant leadership attitude of i'm here to serve you i lead by example i don't ask you to do anything that i wouldn't do the visionary side the the uh the challenge is status quo i think that's something that never comes up on the show which is you you it's good to be challenged it's good to have somebody challenge your 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 you know that won't just you know do the job and not speak up but will have the the guts to say we can do better and this isn't the best we can do uh also curiosity and that that you know uh that pragmatic uh social balance of intelligence and let's dive more into that why it's so important to to challenge uh the status quo and uh how would you encourage uh, how would you develop that culture of letting people know that it's okay to speak up and to be to challenge oh gosh so um you know constructive feedback is vital to everything that we do and if i'm in a meeting and everybody's in agreement not only am I losing interest, um, I, I don't feel that we are are garnering the strength of the people in that meeting. So I, I will um, often pull people out, much like you're doing in this interview, and ask them a, a, a one-off question just to get them in the game and to make sure that they are contributing and we're, we're you know, we're garnering their contribution. So when I when I build a team, ideally, this is ideally, um, I like to look for a great range of diversity. And I'm talking about contribution diversity. So, you know, you're always going to have the, the, the numbers person, the one that can really run the numbers and tell you if it's cost effective. So then I also want to have the person that's um, going to be more of the, the, the counselor's type of it and say, well, this this will work because or this won't work because. And then as you start to build that team out, you want to have the creative one on there that's, that's always um, taking the product and developing it further and then you want to have the, the natural leader on there too. That's going to corral all that. So when I when I look at that team dynamics, I'm trying to capture um, a balance that that moves it all to a higher level, and that's only accomplished truly by by challenging each other and getting comfortable with challenging each other and letting them know it's okay. In fact, kind of setting the culture for the challenge to ask even when it's not asked Mm -hmm. Uh, i just think sometimes we can be a little robotic or or a little 
you know, too preoccupied and we just want to move on. Just tell me what you want and I'll get it done. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm I'm looking for constructive feedback and how, you know, is this the best that we can do? What what can you tell me? You've done this before. Is this the right way to be doing it? Um, and, And what can you offer? And just really getting people comfortable in giving their um, opinions and knowing that it's safe, knowing that it's not only safe, it's encouraged. Yeah, and uh, I, I understand the value of being able to uh, create this this uh, atmosphere, this culture of being able to challenge your superiors. I have an aviation background. I was a commercial pilot, and we were, you know, they they were the aviation industry was a huge advocate for standard operating procedures and and making things structured and organized. Uh, so no matter who you're flying with on a given day, everybody knows how to do things the same exact way. But in that, you know, that you know, underneath that umbrella of standard operating procedures is the the challenge and response. Uh, series of communicating or closed loop communication, but specifically, specifically challenge and response, which means the first officer is expected to challenge the captain at all times because you're the backup. If you're, if you catch something and you don't think the, the captain caught it, whether you, you busted an altitude altitude or you're going too fast or you missed a, a clearance or something, your job is to make sure that the captain doesn't screw up. Um, and I feel like in, in lots of restaurants, people don't, have that sense of it's my job to tell the general manager when they're screwing up because I don't want to get yelled at. Uh, but how I guess the question is, how do you create that understanding that I want you to tell me when I'm doing something wrong? Yeah, yeah, I, I got your back. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, I think just continually rewarding it, mm. you know, acknowledging it when it happens um, and and reminding yourself it's OK, because, you know, again, the flip side of that is it can't be be um, annoying and to always be corrected and to <laughs> always be, uh, always be uh, challenged. So you have to remind yourself it's for the betterment. But mm. I'm, I'm going to borrow your first officer um, uh story because i think that's great i love that and it's true in aviation you see you see the pilot out there with this checklist all the time mm-hmm. so um but yeah i think i think for me is i say thank you a lot i say mm. thank you for, even if and especially so when i already know all right so somebody will say you know it's going to rain today and i may it may already be raining i'll say hey thanks thanks for letting me know that mm-hmm. um and and then that does set an environment for you know letting them know that it's it's okay and and encouraged Absolutely. you know i think i think you know especially in restaurants it's um Everybody, everybody wants to be a part of a team. Everybody does. I don't care who you are. You want to belong. And, and to know that you can make a contribution, whether if it's just announcing the weather for the day or if it's something big, like the front door is broken and people are, are having difficulty getting in rather, rather than just walking by and saying somebody else will fix it. Mm. Um, I think everybody wants to know that they are making a difference. And so putting that in, putting that in front of them where um, they're rewarded and recognized and thanked Mm -hmm. um, is, it's it's just that simple. I think just, you know, and just to reflect on some of the the gentlemen and ladies I've flown with who are my captain and what they would do, the thing that the the things I appreciated from them is during the pre-flight, they would just say, Hey, um, you're my backup. Uh, if I'm not doing something wrong, tell me, don't sit fat, dumb and happy. Like you're useless next to me, unless you're not monitoring what I'm doing. But 
from the very beginning, during the pre-mail, during whatever, say it. Like, and I think the mentality too of you know, if you're doing your job right and you're you know you're pulling these people onto your team, you should be putting people in places where they're better at certain things than you are. So please oh, sure. speak up because yeah. that's why you're here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. I only. I am surrounded by people better than me, and I only <laughs> want to work with people better than me. Exactly. That makes my job that much easier, right? Awesome. Uh, so, Kathy, I keep calling you Kathy because that's who introduced us. I'm sorry, Deb. Yes, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Deb, um, I I just can only imagine uh, your your vast knowledge. I mean, in this industry, we we all have aha moments. So, what were some of the aha mo- some of the aha moments for you? What were some of the things that you learned in this career that just clicked that you feel like most people never really come to that realization? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Well, I think. Probably dealing with adversity um, and the age-old taking lemons and turn them into lemonade. You know, <laughs> when I when I look back uh, at some of the kind of key moments where we really made it, um, it was usually when there was adversity involved. And you know, I'm thinking back to a big earthquake in Los Angeles, and the freeways were closed, and we had. A a high-rise building filled with I don't know however many thousands of people, and our kitchen was closed. Well, we were we were dead in the water, but we were stuck, and we we made iced tea and sandwiches and served them on the patio, and and we made the front page of the L.A. Times. Wow! Um, so I mean, it's just kind of seeing um, those points in time and doing working with what you have have been really key because who knows you never know who you're going to meet you never know what it's going to produce um and it launches you to the next level or to the next situation that's that much better what what do you think it was so the question was uh what do people do well in this industry or the aha moments for you you said one of the aha moments was just having that adversity what do you think is it about you as a leader that allows you to have that adversity? Is it your attitude? Is it the way you think? Like what makes you so, uh, what's another way to say adversity? Uh, <laughs> I'm not challenges. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like how, how do you manage that so positively? Well, uh, people that work with me that like to work with me, um, will tell me that they like my positiveness, my resourcefulness, um, and uh, kind of my no BS. Let's not dwell on what how we got to this point. Let's just fix it and make it happen, right? Um, so it's. I think it, it it does go back to having a can do attitude, mm. um, and and always staying positive, even even. When it's not, because the the cup will always be half full. It will always be half full. Mm. And if you keep reminding people of that, then versus half empty, um, they're going to start to turn the page. They're going to start to follow. And I've seen it happen. I've I've felt it happen. I've experienced it happen. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it's it it can be a little uh, depressing because you might be the only one to start with <laughs> but i that is what experience has taught me is that you just if you stay the course you, they will all come along and it only just takes that one little spark to get it going and before you know it it does roll and it does roll and it does create um a, a chemistry that others can 
get on board with or not. And sometimes people don't want to. And and that's when I say I try to build a team of people that want to mm. and and recognize those that have have that willingness to try new things and give it a chance. Um, even though even though they may have not experienced it before or their their natural tendency may be to um, not want to do so. You know, and just going back to this example that you gave us where what was it what you said was a, a earthquake? Yes. So yeah. yeah, an yeah. Earthquake. Uh, I mean, I can only I've never experienced an earthquake. I'm an East Coast guy. I can only imagine what kind of uh, craziness that must be like. But I mean, you say to focus on the positive, focus on what you can do. Don't get caught up on what you can't. You, you can't control the earth shaking. So, right. <laughs> like, right. why get stressed out over that? Like, you, you sure. have no control over that situation. Um, and what you can control, like you said, is what I can do going forward. I can, con- I can focus on what I can control, and that's the, the mood, the atmosphere, and working with what we got. And there's, I mean, dive deeper into how you, in that situation, went from, oh, crap, there's an earthquake to, I got this. Yeah, you know, it's funny. When when those types of situations are happening, it, it's more instinctive, mm. um, and you don't really think about it. Um, you just, I, and that probably just comes from, um, you know, probably my parents. So I should say thanks, Mom and Dad, for, for setting me up for success. How did they um, set you up for success? Well, I, you know, I'm, uh, I come from, I'm one of 10 children. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and that's kind of unheard of today, at least in our country. Um, and so I think a big part of my, my natural uh, collaboration and teamwork um, comes from, from my early child raising years or my child childhood mm-hmm. <laughs> from my childhood. And, uh, and when I, my parents always made sure that, um, we were working together, that we were, we did a lot of family things together. We didn't have a lot of money. So that meant, um, kind of the most basic of just spending time together. Right. <laughs> Adversity. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When I think of, when I think about, I, you know, I have two boys and I can't imagine what that must have been like for my parents I just it's just it's pretty amazing when I look back on it but to to answer your question about um how did how did they structure or root me in in getting the job done was was simply just that was we really didn't have a choice and um and you, and it was instinctual, and you just got up and did it. And it, and there weren't a lot of exceptions. So you weren't allowed a lot of exceptions. I don't remember. I don't remember being told you get a second chance mm. or uh, a redo. <laughs> My kids like to say, "Can I have a redo?" And I'm like, "No, no redo. <laughs> it's done. It's gone." <laughs> oh man! And you know, can you, can you try to re- remember that moment where the earthquake started? Um, and what your what was your initial emotion when that happened oh sure 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 well it was um it was really just to protect the people it was uh that take that particular instance um we hadn't opened yet so there we didn't have any guests to be concerned with but i had my whole kitchen staff to mm. be concerned with and this was in southern california where many of them had had lost relatives to to earthquakes in mexico so um they were extremely frightened and uh so that that was my 
my, my first reaction was just to, to calm them and let them know it was okay and to help them get out of the building. Go, again, go back a little real quick, Deb. Um, yeah, I want to yeah. know your first emotion. What was my, your first my, emotion? My first emotion. Uh, well, what what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I had I was one of my first earthquakes as well, and it was like, oh, this must be it. <laughs> <laughs> and so fear sounds like the first emotion oh, sure. was fear. And sure, how yeah. how fast did you go from this is fear to okay? Like, did you recognize it as fear? Did did you? S- no, no. No, no, no. I don't. Any anytime I'm in those situations, you know, your heart starts racing. But I, I think your mind, your survival takes over, mm-hmm. right? So for me, that's my mind. And okay, what has to be done? Who do I have to, you know, who do I have to make sure is safe? And what's, you know, what are the priorities? And you kind of go through that that prioritization checklist mm-hmm. of what's most important, um, you know, and. and and, and for me, it really was getting making sure that my kitchen staff was okay. And it was kind of a well, they were just they were frozen and frightened and jabbering faster than I could keep up with. So I had no idea what they were saying. And we just I simply raised my hand and and had them follow me. We were like a little chain, like a little dance chain coming out of the kitchen because they they were they were frozen with fear. Mm. And so it wasn't. I didn't have the luxury of being afraid myself. I just, I just knew I had to get my team out and assure them it was okay. This, this happens. We're going to be all right. The building is safe. That's why we're in this great building and letting them know that it was going to be okay. So when you talk about emotions, I I think there probably was fear, but I think my sense of responsibility kicked in. My mind overwrote, overwrote the fear. Mm -hmm. And then you, you went on to, you said you were serving sandwiches in uh, juice on the patio afterwards. Like, what part of you said, okay, let's continue service. Like, let's do yeah. what we can. Like, wh- where was your mind in that situation? Well, I think part of it was entrepreneurial, honestly. Um, and and then part of it was kind of practicality as well as we're all going to be here anyways. You know, what's our, we're, you know, we're part of this community right now. This mentality. <laughs> so, you know, what, what can we do? Because who wants to sit around and wait and you know, wait for them to tell us we can go home. Yeah. Um, and, and so it was, you know, again, I've, I've, you know, I had the earthquake in LA. I was um, in New York for hurricane Sandy and it was a real, it was the same situation as well very different but it was where the people come together it was a small restaurant and um all the tenants live upstairs right so um they have nowhere to go Mm -hmm. right and so they come down to the restaurant we don't have any power but we can drink wine and we had a wood-fired oven and we can make pizza what was your attitude like this entire time how were you on the outside Oh, I I roll with it, you know. <laughs> That's just it, it is what it is, right? So you just roll with it. Panic and um and worrisome it doesn't it isn't good for anybody, especially myself, right? Yeah. So um can you read but it, it it's it's really just a matter of setting the tone and keeping people um maybe distracted in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't that the job of, of a leader mm. is, is to identify, um, Hope. what is going to be calming and, you know, yeah. what is the, 
where where are we going and keeping people focused on what can be versus what ah yeah exactly and for me the word is hope to provide hope like we can still make a day a good day out of this and yeah. in like you had mentioned earlier you know at, at in the very beginning like imagine the situation the earth shaking you're pulling everybody out of this building it's over and you you have to make you know something out of the situation uh and it's not at, at first i'm sure you probably had people fighting you like we just had an earthquake you want to serve people like but yeah. you stayed positive and you're that optimism that like let's just make the best out of the situation i mean can you re- can you recall people like slowly like transitioning to like oh like i don't want to be doing this to oh like let's let's make the best of this day can you do you remember that 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 transformation with your people oh i don't know if I, I don't know that I can remember the exact details of it, but I, I will tell you that there will be some people that will just say no. Yeah. And, and you recognize that. And that's, a, that's you know, there's no judgment there. That's fine. That's that's their thing. Um, but you also recognize those that are going to do better if they have something to do, um, as well as um, the people that, you know, share your, your optimism, right? But enthusiasm is contagious, it's it is contagious and it just it really just takes one getting people excited and then pretty soon you have two and then you have 10 and then you have 20 so it it just starts with with um doing it yourself as well as giving others the opportunity to to be included awesome and um this conversation has been a lot on i think what you would call the um the uh, emotional side of what you need to be successful in this industry. Um, you shared a lot of your emotional intelligence with us today, uh, your social intelligence. Uh, what was an aha moment? Uh, we won't spend too much time on this, but like on like the business side or the operational side of these are the things that need to happen to have a, a successful restaurant. Like, is there one like lesson on operations you can share with us before you share a failure? Um, so, and this is, this is really hard to, uh, teach my teams today is we you know, got to begin with the end in mind. Mm. What, what do we want? And then work backwards, right? Mm. So whether you're planning for a holiday, whether you're planning for a restaurant opening, whether it's just to grow sales, um, I think you have to identify what it is you're going after and then break it apart in, in a timeline and say, okay, this comes first, then that will build, and then this, this, and, and put it into the traditional timeline of action steps. And I and, and my teams do struggle with it because they say, I know what I'm doing. You know I know what I'm doing. Why do I have to document it? And and the, you do it for a couple of reasons because you want to identify that you have captured everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, wanna, you don't want to forget anything. You want to communicate what those actions are so that others know what it is, and that also creates the the avenue for for contribution hey what about mm-hmm. you forgot this or um, can we do this so again it can, it creates an, a collaboration platform for others to participate um, but more than anything is it's that roadmap mm. is the first this then that and um, and I think that sometimes just that formality is is lost. Mm. And and I know it's not where I want to go to, but I have learned um, through my um, career that when I do have a plan, I am that much more successful as yeah. a result. And when you're beginning or uh, starting this uh, these projects that where you begin with the end in mind, give us some examples of some projects that might 
you might want to use this technique to to kind of spell everything out. Like, can you give me some specific projects that might where this 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 method would be useful? Oh, sure. Like, like, like I mentioned, like a restaurant opening. So you want to make sure everybody has all of their assignments mm-hmm. and, you know, who's responsible for what. So it's that organization piece. Um, and, and you know, you want to know that you've thought everything through. Mm-hmm. Did, are there's, there's a lot of moving parts in an, in an opening and who's got what. So you've got all of the, the building and compliance pieces happening. You, you know, everybody thinks it's just about coming up with a good menu. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a, the feng shui of the restaurant. It's the flow of the traffic. And so you want to identify all those parts and make sure that somebody is responsible and accountable for accomplishing it. Mm. Uh, so restaurant openings are, are the are the first that come to mind for me. It could be restaurant closing mm-hmm. closing as well. Um, and on a on a more smaller scale, it's like we're getting ready for the holidays right now. And so last month, I was asking for everybody's action plans. You know what what are we what are we going to do? How are, what are our numbers? How many guests are we going to have? What kind of guest check are we going to have? Um, uh, are, what promotions are we going to do? What are we going to do to maximize? What are we going to do to take care of our staff? Uh, all those questions I want documented now so that we have enough time to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm not saying that you don't have a natural ability to pull those things off. The likelihood of success is greater when you start with a written plan. Yeah. I mean, just having a picture of perfection of what something's supposed to look like when done, finished, done right, giving people that, that something to aim for. Uh, in to know when they've reached completion, uh, so they know like okay, I'm done. Like this is what you asked for. Like this is the, the vision that you had for me. The 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 end in mind that you had, and that that guidance that that uh, Rudy Mix says people need uh, to, to be painted a picture of perfection. Like what do you expect out of me when you're starting a project? Uh, say if you're creating a new system or process, and you say, hey Sally, go. We need a system or a process for this problem start it like what do you want that system or process to look like when it's done like you need to give them something to aim for so i i love that idea and to learn more about starting with the end in mind uh seven habits of highly effective people uh, i know that's one of those those habits that are mentioned in that book so a uh, great read if you guys haven't read that book um by Stephen r covey and that book is available on audible so head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable if you do not already have a membership, you can get that book for free. Get on it. Uh, we need to get a failure, and then we're going to dive into our speed round. Uh, so tell me about a time, Deb, that you just fell hard on your backside, hard on your fanny with a failure. Take us through that failure and how you're better now because of it. Well, just as quickly as I can, I left the restaurant industry for about five years to do a startup um, in in nail polish, cosmetics. And um, we we were opening nail salons in airports across the country. We had a growth plan of having 105 years. Well, we were into our second year, and we had seven seven locations up and going with another 10 in place, and uh, 9-11 happened, and people stopped traveling. So that discretionary income went away, and people stopped traveling. So going to airports to get a, a manicure no longer happened. And so we had to pull back 
our business model and say, what can we do? Um, and for us, we changed from a service industry to a product industry. We could sell nail polish. We could sell two bottles at a time and get traction and get 10 bottles at a time and get traction. Um, so my, that particular failure, thinking that we had this great model, um, we were going to change the world of, of convenience at airports, um, was popped out of our control because of, of 9-11, mm-hmm. but we didn't let our dream die, and we just diverted it to what was available, and that was product, focusing on the product, coming from service to a product company. Awesome. And so what exactly was your failure, do you think? Well, the failure was, you know, the business model changed, the business climate changed. Mm-hmm. The, fa- the failure was... Well, I don't know if you want to even call it that. We couldn't anticipate 911. We couldn't anticipate a decline in traffic. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And we were only looking at the upside, and we really had not built our plans on on scaling the other way. We'd only built built our plans on scaling to higher traffic. Mm -hmm. And so it was identifying that sometimes you've got to have an exit strategy. (laughs) And and we definitely, I mean, I don't know how many businesses were lost as a result of that, but we felt really fortunate that we were able to regroup. And it's actually a very successful company today because of that. Great. Beautiful. Uh, We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to dive into the speed round. When you're running a busy restaurant, it's pretty hard to find time for training. Well, Tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts, including world barista champions, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Get your staff watching Tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business. With Tipsy, scheduling training, tracking skills growth, and measuring engagement is a piece of cake. In the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you actually selling food and beverage or are you just taking orders from a menu that says, here's what we have and here's what it costs? Modern consumers are addicted to smart devices and visual media is the best way to engage them with information. That is why more restaurants today are replacing their paper menus with Menuvative by iMenuTech. It's simple. Menuvative replaces your paper menus with tablets. This provides more room for photography, descriptive language, and wine pairings. Suggestive selling is now an inherent part of the modern menu experience. In my opinion, here's the best part. Menuvative preserves the integrity of the classic dining experience because it's not a kiosk and it does not replace the impactful service experience. What it does do is reduce costs, increase sales, improve more marketing and provide a better guest experience by being more informative to learn more head over to imenutech.com again that's imenutech.com we're back and the first question i have for you deb is what is an if factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success Oh, sure. Um, that, that would be uh, always uh, being positive um, and finding the good 
the upside in all that you do. Mm, so powerful. And what is your biggest weakness? I, my husband will tell you that I take on too much, that because of that positive <laughs> attitude, I never say no. Oh, I get that one. Uh, how's that gotten you in trouble real quick? Oh, sure. Um, well, again, I've, I have pulled some all-nighters <laughs> as, as a result of commitments made. So it's gotten me in trouble because I'm not, not, sometimes being strategic is better than, um, than saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? To uh, role model the behavior that you that you want, and to be be true to yourself on it. Don't 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 go into character. Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And if that if others see you being natural at it, then they're going to follow. You know, and that's one of the biggest ahas I've had. Uh, one of the more recent ahas is that. To be truly successful in this industry, uh, success starts with personal growth and on yourself and uh, being that person that everyone can look to to be like, whoa, this person busts their ass. They're authentic. They're genuine. They care about me. And though that that person is going to have way better luck leading others. Uh, and it starts with you. Um, it really does. Um, so what is one question you ask or one thing you look for during an interview? I ask people what do they want to be when they grow up mm. and it sometimes disarms them and sometimes they're offended. I am grown up <laughs> uh, and, and I, I like to get to the natural somebody in interviews and so it's a little, it is a little disarming, but I really do want to know how is this position going to take you to that ultimate goal? Mm-hmm. And are you looking for any particular answer, just a, a genuine, honest answer? No, I just want a genuine, honest answer. They can tell me I, I, I need the next five years to make enough money to make a down payment on a house. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know how I can help support mm. them in that process. And, and, it, and it is just a way of learning a little bit more about them. Um, and again, because I don't say, what are your long-term goals? It's, it, it's, a, it's the same spin on it, but it's a little bit more personal. I love it. Uh... What is a current challenge you are experiencing in one of your restaurants or in all of your restaurants? How are you dealing with it? Sure. Yeah, I, it's got to be the, the current labor laws, the compliance laws, and especially in Seattle. We've, we've, it's not just the minimum wage increases. It's the um, restrictive scheduling. It is becoming more and more challenging to run restaurants today with a full service staff. So that's going, that is going to be continue it's not going to get better and it's not going to stay in seattle it's gonna it's going to go nationwide here and we need to be prepared to to manage it how are you preparing yourself to manage this well you know we're we're taking it you know case by case but certainly training folks to work more than one position so that they are cross cost trained and can work in several roles, so not just hiring a pantry cook, but hiring a cook that can also saute, that can also broil, making sure that you've done the cross training. Um, same thing with front of the house. I, I think they're going to need to have several roles because, again, with the restrictive scheduling where they need advance notice, you're just going to need to schedule people. And then when the day comes, you're going to need to assign them. This is what this is your assignment here. This is your assignment here. This is your assignment. And if you have two specialized 
of people, they can only do one thing. They're not going to be as as usable. They're not going to be as marketable. Absolutely. And uh, I'm about, I'm hoping to interview a restaurant in, uh, in New Hampshire where they train their entire staff at every position, uh, front of house. Oh. So if you're a cook, you're on Monday, you're a server on Tuesday. And like that to me is just like, no, like you can call audibles like on the dot. If somebody calls in sick, like you, you can literally take and plug anyone everywhere. Plus there's just a level of respect. There's no longer a division between front of house and back of house. And that to me, just that sympathy of knowing what the other side is going through, it must build tremendous just team, team atmosphere. Oh, sure. So awesome stuff. That's, um, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. I can't wait. I wish them great success. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to uh, get them on the show. Hopefully they do accept that invitation. Uh, so besides food, what is one thing your restaurants do really well that separate them from other restaurants? Sure. I think our, our, our dip point of differentiation is that personalization component, mm-hmm. um, really um, understanding, knowing the guest, um, being uh, personable but not personal. Mm-hmm. So it's really more about um, uh, uh, treating the guest as an individual and being on their side. Awesome. And what is a, a must read for somebody either you know looking to open a restaurant or working in this industry that will just make them a better hospitalitarian? Well, that, that's Danny Myers setting the table. <laughs> Absolutely. What's your favorite part about that book? Oh, my. There's many. He's such a good writer. He's such a good storyteller. Yeah. Um, I, I And I actually, I was fortunate enough to go to the, the Hospitality Quotient, which is a workshop that's a spinoff of of that book. Oh, really? So, yeah. No, it's awesome. Um, I, I don't know that I have one favorite. I, I really uh, Maybe not your favorite, but just one piece of advice from that book that will make our listeners better. Well, I think I mentioned it already. Uh, you know, making being on the guest side—it's mm. not about us; it's about the guest. Absolutely. So, what what does that mean? That means even though our prime rib is rock salt method cooked, and this is how <laughs> chef recommends it, if the guest wants it differently, then we make it differently. It's yeah. not about us. Exactly. I love it. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted uh, in, in your restaurants that has just you know, increased operations, efficiency, productivity, communication, and is it better making your restaurant better now because of it? Oh gosh, you know, there's so many advances um, from when I when I first worked with this company twenty some years ago. Uh, from from even from you know like reservation pages, the reservation book. Now there's all kinds of reservation systems that makes it real time. But I think one of the ones that I'm most impressed with is hot schedules. It's a productivity and scheduling model, and when you use it completely, it's pretty amazing it's this it's this instant real-time communication to everyone on your team as well as um, it's a great planning tool if I think I'm going to do x in sales next week how many how many dollars do I have to spend it helps managers really make good decisions especially with all these uh you know, you talk about your challenges, all these laws that are coming out, these compliances yes. that are coming out, and you, yeah. you've got to close those gaps as much as possible. Exactly. Uh, the you know, hot schedule it gives you the numbers, it helps you figure out exactly what you need when you need it, so your 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 you know loss is going to be much less. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Uh, with all the knowledge you have, uh, if you could go back in time. And give that past version of yourself back in 1981 when you're just getting your first like management, you're, you're going off to Hawaii and you want to give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? 
I think it, I think it goes back to um, at the you know at the end of the road. Where do you see yourself? So this not to be morbid, but if you were to write your own obituary, what would you want to be remembered mm. with? What would you want to be remembered for? Um, and and from a professional point of view, this it's the same. When I when I retire from restaurants which I just don't ever see happening but uh, when that point in time comes what do I want people to say about Deb Hermanson and and when I look back on that I I, I think there I might might have made a few more changes maybe not I don't know I, I think for the most part people are going to remember remember me uh, with the attributes that I would would hope that they would but, you know, somewhere along the way, maybe I, I could have been a little more strategic with am, am I really, really focused on that end goal of, of what impact, what do I want to be remembered for? I love it. Great stuff. And what's one question, Deb, I could have asked you that would have brought more value to this interview? What I would um, like you to have asked me was um, what is the one constant that I wish never changed in our industry. What is the one constant that you wish had never changed changed in this industry? industry. And that is that we make all of our decisions around the guest, Mm. not around money, not around um, sustainability or or compliance or laws, but just around the guest. I love it. What a great world it would be if we could just focus on that. (laughs) It's so true. Uh, Steve DeFilippo, one of my early guests wrote a book called it's all about the guests. I don't know if you picked that one up, but I think you would love it. Deb. Uh, okay. Yeah. He's the owner of Davos or Davos or Davios. Uh, sorry. Uh Awesome book. Um, so, uh, that's all of the questions I have for you, Deb. You were amazing. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I just need to have you call somebody out and then we'll find out how to connect with you and we'll wrap it up. So who's one person you admire in this industry and believe would just be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today? Oh, sure. Well, um, my friend Nelson Castillo in Cincinnati, Ohio. Nelson Castillo, look out. I'm coming after you. Would love to get you on the show. And Deb, uh, how can we connect with you? If we want to come join your team, if we want to uh, ask you a question or uh, maybe pick your mind about one of the products or services you recommended, how can we connect? Oh, thanks. I would love the opportunity. Um, probably through LinkedIn is the best way to find me because right. uh, I'm, I'm checking that pretty regularly. Beautiful. And I'll have that link in the show notes. Uh, just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 272. Uh, you'll find a summary of today's discussion, the links, the books recommended. Uh, and Deb, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. oh eric thank you so much i I hope there's some value in this for you (laughs) there was tons of value we loved it have have a great afternoon cheers you as well thank you well that was a ton of fun uh some great things to reflect on from this interview and for me uh what really stood out was just uh those qualities she listed some amazing qualities to be looking for 
uh, or, or looking in in your your potential leaders, uh, your your managers, and some of those qualities. Just to reiterate, where uh, having that server's heart uh, or the heart of a server uh, in acting with the heart, and she was examples of just rushing to open the door and. If somebody drops something, are you rushing to pick it up? Are, are these things instinctual? If you're seeing these habits, these these characteristics in some of your people, really pay attention to those people. Some of the other qualities, uh, a sense of purpose, uh, the ability to, to develop a vision, uh, self-starters, curiosity, uh, you know, challenging the status quo and not settling for good enough, but always trying to be better and always uh, wondering what if. Uh, these are some great habits, uh, some great characteristics you can uh, take down, jot down, and look for these qualities in your team. Then also, she talks a lot about uh, making the best out of situations and just having that positive, optimistic outlook on life. I mean, sometimes there's going to be earthquakes or hurricanes or war, whatever part of the world you're in. You can't change that. Don't let it bother you. I mean, it, it, do the best you can with what you're given and just focus on what matters, which is making a difference in people's lives and uh, being there and being supportive. And then lastly, starting with the end in mind, uh, you need something to aim for. You need an object uh, or not an object, but a, a, an idea to, that the picture of perfection. When this project's done right, this is what it's going to look like. When my dream restaurant is uh you know, built, this is what it's going to look like. Start with the end of mind and then work backwards or re, you know, uh, reverse engineer what is going to have to happen uh, to get to that place that you, uh, you know, started in that, that vision of where you're starting and just work backwards. Awesome stuff in this, this interview. Uh, Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. And like always, guys, some reminders. Please reach out to me, Eric at RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Just tell me what you think about the show. How can I make it better? Or schedule that one-on-one chat. Head over to RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash one-on-one or find the banner at Restaurant Unstoppable. Leave those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. They help so much. That's all I have for today. Thank you for sticking around this long. Until next time. Peace out.